Hey everybody and welcome into the Cyclone Scoop. I'm Alex Halstead with another edition for you here. And last week I wrapped up spring football with Dylan Mons of the Ames Tribune. And now with spring football in the rearview mirror, it's Iowa State football recruiting full steam ahead. The, the coming months are going to be really busy when it comes to football recruiting. Iowa State staff is already out in full force for the spring evaluation period, which runs through the month of May. June is going to bring summer camps and official visits. And then July, August could see some decisions as well as kids go into their senior season. So May, June, July, August, those are going to be heavy recruiting. It's the off season, but there's still a lot to dive into. And I thought the best way to dive into that recruiting to get kickstarted with this big recruiting stretch that's going to await in the months ahead would be to bring on 24-7 sports Midwest recruiting analyst Alan True. Alan obviously covers the entire Midwest. It's in his title. He's out at camps and watching film of prospects in the states of Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, um, anywhere you can think of the Midwest that, that you consider the Midwest. Uh, Alan True is out seeing those prospects and evaluating them. So when you see a grade on a player in the Midwest, a lot of times Alan True had a hand in it. Now it's a collective effort. We've got analysts across the country. We've got analysts who double check Alan and, and work with Alan and vice versa, where they're making sure these kids um, are seen from every angle. But Allen has a big footprint in the Midwest, and I thought it'd be perfect to bring him on because Iowa State's recruiting to date in the 2020 recruiting class is heavily in the Midwest. In fact, it's all in the Midwest when you look at the commit list. Iowa State has six commitments right now to date. Three of them are from the state of Minnesota. Two of them are from the state of Iowa, and one of them is from the state of Kansas. And so I consider Kansas the Midwest. We'll get to that with Allen. But um, they've got six commits from what you would consider the U.S. or the Midwest from the U.S. Census Bureau. And so I thought it would be perfect to bring on Allen because he's seen a lot of these guys either in person for a few of them or he's done extensive film review and talked to different people about what Iowa State is getting in these prospects. So that's the, the perfect guest to bring on to go into this recruiting period. And so let's not uh, belabor the, the point. Uh, here is 24-7 Sports Midwest Recruiting Analyst, Alan True. I'm here now with Alan True. Alan, uh, thanks for being with me. I know uh, this is kind of the, the busy time when, when coaches are getting out for the spring evaluation period, a lot of offers going out. So thanks for taking a few minutes here to help me run through Iowa State's current 2020 recruiting class. Yeah, no problem at all. I wanted to just start kind of at the top. We'll, we'll run through Iowa State's various commits as they stand right now. And uh, Iowa State, as I mentioned in the intro, has uh, six commits right now. All six of them are from the Midwest, three of them from Minnesota, one from Iowa, and one from Kansas. Let's start with, uh, you know, Minnesota, uh, particularly quarterback Aiden Bowman. We've talked about him before when I had you on the Cyclone Scoop last time, but a six foot five, 200 pound quarterback that does a lot of things. Uh, I think what stood out to me just looking at his numbers and not the film is 65% completion uh, percentage and uh, 35 touchdowns to six interceptions last year. So, you know, he's kind of a heady player that's obviously been coached by a former NFL quarterback. His dad, Todd, Todd Bowman, spent, I think, 10 years in the NFL. When you've heard about him or when you've looked at his film, is there anything that stands out first about what Iowa State is getting in Aiden Bowman? Well, I think you like that pedigree for sure. Um, having grown up around football and, and coming from a, an NFL uh, bloodline there, and then obviously the kid has outstanding size at six foot five, a true pro style quarterback who can make all the throws on the field. 
Um, but athletic enough too. He's not a statue. Athletic enough to be able to move around, make some throws on the move, make some things happen uh, with his feet when he needs to. So a lot of things to like about him. I think I said before, the last thing we need to see is being able to evaluate him in person. It's hard to get up to Buffalo, Minnesota. We don't have, we don't send a lot of uh, of our staff up there. So he's going to be coming down and doing the Nashville camp, which happens to be where our 24-7 sports headquarters is. So that'll be a great chance for some of our national team to be able to see him. And I think that'll be the final box that needs to be checked. But um, in terms of uh, all the measurables and even some of the intangibles, uh, Aiden's got a lot of things you like. Yeah, just on the base, on the work you've done, you know, in talking to people, I think you, you had talked to a Division Two coach or something where his team had gone through. And based on that and film, I mean, 24-7 sports already has him as the number 12 pro-style quarterback in 88, which uh, obviously for people listening, a, a four-star quarterback or four-star player would be a 90. So he is a high three-star already, but like you said, he's going to have that chance to go down to Nashville in the opening camp, compete against really good players. Is there something that you as an evaluator or when he goes down to Nashville, I think it will be Steve Wiltfong uh, from 24-7 Sports and Barton Simmons will both be there to see him, that you kind of look for in, in a quarterback, whether it's, you know, the zip on the on the ball or his arm or things like that, that, you know, could push him higher or say, okay, he is this 88, that, that maybe you're looking for as an evaluator? Well, I think, you know, in recruiting and in football in general, I see people say all the time, film doesn't lie that's not necessarily the case uh and and especially at the quarterback position that's why a lot of schools don't like to offer a quarterback until they see them throw even if it is just in a gym or you know somewhere during a spring or winter evaluation period that's a big part of what's going on right now is schools going through and watching kids throw in the you know 21 class and then 20 class etc so we like all the things we've seen on Aiden, it's just making sure that when we see him actually release a football in person, it looks this, it looks similar to what it looks like on film. Maybe it's better. You know, we're going to see a kid, you know, between November of a kid's, the end of a kid's junior season and, uh, you know, May, a lot can happen in that time period. So just first of all, verifying some of the measurables, being able to see him in person, see what he's built like. He's going to do some testing. We'll be able to see some athletic numbers on him. And then really for me, watching the ball come out of his hand. Is it uh, how do the mechanics look? Is it a smoother motion? Um, does the ball come out of his hand with good velocity and, and, and kind of naturally, is it, is it easy for him to generate that velocity or does he have to really work at it to be able to put, put enough, uh, zip on his passes? My guess is that being six foot five, having been coached, being a big, strong kid, I, I have a feeling he's going to throw the football well down there, but that's just kind of the last verifiable measure. And for some positions, you don't really need that. Um, in-person eval as much. I think for a quarterback, it's we really, before we like to rank a guy really highly, it's really, really rare that that will happen without having seen that guy throw a few footballs in person. Yeah, and I'll be really interested to see what, what they see down there. Uh, I saw him twice at camp last year. It, it goes back to exactly what you were saying, that last year, this time, Iowa State was going around and seeing him in person. He came to two camps, and they just – he was their guy. I think it became pretty clear early that he was their 2020 guy and he committed early. And that's another thing is you don't see a ton of interest from other schools. I think power five schools have quietly showed interest. I want to say Tennessee and some others have poked around, but it's a situation where he committed before his junior year. And so there's just not much recruitment there. He, he didn't really want to go through this recruiting process a lot and, and committed early and that 
kind of shut down the recruiting process early. But let's move on to another position. It's an area where Iowa State's now got two commits, and that's the offensive line. This is a position Iowa State's tried to rebuild really under Matt Campbell's first four recruiting classes. And uh, now they go into this fifth recruiting class in 2020, and they're off to a good start And I think, obviously, their mind because I think they've got two guys that they targeted early. One of them is an in-state prospect, Tyler Miller. Uh, he's six foot eight and a half, 275 pounds or so. Um, what do you kind of see about him? Because he's got the length. Obviously, he's for sure a tackle body. I think, you know, when he went down to um, one camp, he kind of was verified at that height and also verified, I think, at a six foot nine wingspan. Is it the arm length and things like that that stand out? And in, in the film you've seen, is he still athletic at that size enough to, you know, move well? Yeah, I think obviously uh, the first thing that immediately stands out to anybody that sees Tyler is how big he is. And and he's gotten bigger in the last couple of years. When he first started, he was a pretty lean, almost skinny looking kid. Um, he's probably added if he's 275, 280 in that range. Now, I mean, he was he might have been 230, 240 when we first started to evaluate him. So he's added um that weight and and improved during that time too sometimes kids add weight and it's not a good thing he's added good weight and uh, his his sophomore film was pretty raw and i think you saw a lot of strides happen between that film and his junior year so his junior film i think looks much better than his sophomore stuff not that his sophomore stuff was bad it was just you know like i said 230 235 pound kid still figuring out his body and, and things and looks much more comfortable now when you look at his junior stuff. So I think at any time you have a kid that big, six foot eight and a half, um, the biggest thing for him is going to be to just continue to not only add weight, but make sure he continues to stay flexible enough to be able to bend and move and, and get underneath guys of that size. That's going to be key for him. But uh, there's been a handful of guys his height who have been able to do it. I think uh, he's in the right hands, um, you know, with a former college coach as his high school coach. And they're doing the right things, taking the right steps to, to develop this kid. So I certainly think there's a lot of potential there. Iowa State's had some guys um, similarly built to him in the past. And I, I think that he's got a chance to be – I see him more as probably a right tackle. But I think he's got a chance to be a good one and is definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, and I – that it was interesting. I think I was at that sophomore camp and he showed up and that I think Iowa State was probably aware of him, but I'm not sure how aware. And I think he walked in and and he's just bigger than everybody and he's a sophomore. I mean considerably bigger than all the other linemen. And like you said, then it was it was just height more so height and arm length more so than anything else, but he's developed into that. And I'm not saying he is this guy. Um, you know, Bryce Benhart was is was a top one hundred and fifty player. So I'm not saying he's him at all, but Committed to Nebraska in 2019, a kid that Iowa State was after early, and just a similar body in terms of, you know, I think they have about the same wingspan and about the same height, but obviously they're different players. And, you know, Ben Hart was one of the premier offensive linemen in the, in the country. But uh, moving on to the other linemen, I don't know if you've seen him as much because he's in Kansas, and you touch on the whole Midwest. Kansas starts to get into the south a little bit, but. I think the U.S. Census Bureau uh, considers it Midwest. I consider it Midwest recruiting, and that's Hayden Paul's uh, six foot four, two hundred and sixty, sixty-five pounds or so. Um, this is a kid that had offers from some of the the schools that have developed offensive linemen: Iowa and Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, Minnesota. The list goes on. He was a top priority for a long time. Probably visited Iowa State five times or so. 
I think they were really enthusiastic to get him um, based on the Twitter reaction. And what have you seen from him, if, if anything, um, or if you just have any general knowledge of what they're getting in Hayden Pauls, considering uh, the list of offers he had and schools that have developed offensive linemen that wanted him? Yeah, so I uh, we actually differ from the U.S. Census Bureau at 24-7. We have Kansas in our Midlands region, but I do step over there a little bit, and, and I know some of the schools that have come through the Midwest to recruit linemen uh, have, have really been hot on Hayden. He was a guy that was high on a lot of boards. Um, a kid who, you know, is, is maybe the opposite of Tyler Miller in some ways where He's he's not he's probably your average built offensive lineman. He's not going to walk into a room and you're going to go, wow, who's that guy? But you turn on the film and um, the kid can really move. He's aggressive, does a lot of great things in space, has, has excellent balance. Um, any any type of block you're, you ask him to make, um, whether he's pulling, whether he's out there at left tackle taking on speed rushers, which is what he primarily plays in high school, uh, he's able to do it. So I think he's he looked like one of the better linemen in the Midlands to me. And uh, I know that some of those schools on his list, he was very high on their board. I think he's going to probably be a guy listed as an offensive tackle. That is what he plays in high school. Wouldn't surprise me if he moved inside and played some guard. And I think he could be a dominant, possibly even a next level kind of guard because of the way he can move and some of the things he does in space. Yeah. He, he told me, I think they haven't really gone into specific position talk. Uh, obviously I state in the past, you know, a guy like Julian Good Jones, who's, going to be uh, their left tackle this year. He's played center, right tackle, guard, left tackle now. I mean, they're, they're willing to move guys all over. And he wants to be a tackle, but he's open to playing um, whatever. Uh, what what would you – it's always interesting what people think. How, how far over or down or do you think the Midwest goes? And Some people think it goes farther than others. This has been a, a difficult question for me. I just go off the U.S. Census Bureau when – um, when I looked, mainly because it's been a discussion because Matt Campbell's recruited the Midwest so heavily, and I always have to count how many players in each class he has from the Midwest. Uh, is that tough for you to keep track of what, what's the Midwest and what's not? Uh, well, just I go off of what our regional definition is as far as like where how we have it split up between the analysts. So I have Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and then Kentucky is kind of the weird one. And for a lot of years, Missouri was kind of rolled into that Midlands area, that Great Plains strip. And uh, we've recently shifted some of that around. If you think in the traditional sense of what growing up, I would think the Midwest is, I would say Missouri's probably not in that. And Kentucky's definitely not in that. Kentucky is Southeast to me, but they've given it to me. So we've, uh, We've taken it on. We've adopted Kentucky as part of the Midwest, and I treat it like I do any of my other states, but I don't really traditionally probably think Kentucky and Missouri probably not your usual definition of Midwest. I think it was a couple of years ago, I think I talked to Steve Wiltfong about it, and um, I think he might have tweeted something about if Iowa not being in the Midwest, and he's obviously, I think, over from Indiana, and I think he caught a lot of flack for that. It's just interesting because I think depending where you're based and all that, it just – what each territory is becomes different. And I consider Kansas the Midwest just from a, hey, this is how many kids Matt Campbell's pulled out of the Midwest. But I've driven down to Oklahoma, and as you make that drive, it starts to feel less and less like the Midwest. So it's always yeah. interesting. <laughs> you know what else? I also think that it goes off of, like, what the dominant – or not the dominant, or maybe the preeminent program in the state kind of is Kentucky because Kentucky itself is in the SEC – 
and Louisville is in the ACC, you know, that, that starts to feel more like a south, southeastern state for sure. There's nothing to do with the Midwest in that state. There's not a Big Ten school in there. There's not a Mac school in there. It just doesn't feel like it's a – you wouldn't consider Kentucky in the same vein as Illinois and Indiana, et cetera. And that's, I think, what's happened with Missouri too with them going into the, the SEC. Yeah, that's a good point. And Kentucky probably for you maybe feels a little like the Midwest in the sense that I think Stoops is really recruiting Ohio and – and whatnot. So they're, they're recruiting in Midwest at least, which maybe helps a little bit, but to wrap up the O line, we've talked about both prospects, but what are you kind of projecting when you look at an offensive lineman? Because there's, it seems like the trend and we saw this in the NFL draft a little bit is trending towards little guys that are a little bit more athletic. You're maybe not looking for a, a Tyler Miller to be 325 pounds, whereas, you know, he's at 275, which is a little bit probably more agile for him. It has the, the way you've tried to project linemen changed or, what types of linemen are you trying to project that say, you know, this is a power five guy in the Midwest? Yeah, I think that shift changed a while ago, actually. You know, I remember when, um, you know, like a guy like Brian Balaga was coming out with, it was a high school tight end. And then not so long after that, you know, in my own backyard, Eric Fisher went from high school tight end. Joe Staley went from high school tight end to number one draft pick. So I think that that's when it started to shift to where, you know, you weren't just, we weren't evaluating high school offensive linemen all the time anymore. You were evaluating some guys who played tight end. In some cases, there were guys who played quarterback who came over, Lane Johnson, David Edwards, guys like that. So I think you're looking for frame and body type. You're looking for guys who can bend, um, and, and you're looking for guys who can move. But it, that, that becomes a tough position to evaluate for us um, because of that. And uh, also, you know, assessing – what a guy's mental makeup I think is important for that position. And we don't always get to be around these guys enough to, to necessarily figure that out. So you try to look at the film and see if you think that the kid's playing hard You see if you try to see if he, you think he's got some nastiness to him. Um, and sometimes when a kid puts together a highlight tape, that's just full of pancakes, every, every tape is going to kind of look like that. So having, again, being able to see them in person, see how they compete in some of these camps, um, see if they're taking reps, see how they do when they don't win a rep. Uh, those are some of the things that we try to look for. But certainly I think that position has become tougher um, to evaluate because of how many guys go from being, you know, 230, 240 in high school to 320 pound tackles. And, and you see that every year with, you know, uh, another example, guys like Ryan Ramchek uh, from, from Wisconsin was a walk on Garrett Bowles, uh, who went in the first round a couple of years ago, was a guy not highly recruited at all, adds a bunch of weight. He kind of goes through this whole junior college process, ends up at Utah, becomes a first-round pick. So there's more and more of those stories to where we've really got to kind of uh, pan for gold and really leave no stone unturned when it comes to trying to find some of these big-frame kids. Yeah, offensive line has to be the most difficult position to rate, to evaluate, because like you said, they can come out of high school at 240 and you don't know what kind of weight they're going to put on at that school. or they can. That's the one position it seems like you can develop where – you can become better. Whereas if you're a receiver or running back, you kind of either have the intangibles or the skill or the speed, or you don't. Whereas linemen, you see walk-ons develop into that. And the Minnesota Vikings, I think another example took Garrett Bradbury, who was a tight end. It goes back to what you said. I think he was a tight end coming out of high school to NC state. And then yep. he becomes the kid, uh, a center. The kid from Alabama state that went in the first round this year, Titus Howard, a walk on at Alabama state. So an FCS walk-on who played quarterback and tight end in high school becomes a first-round pick as an offensive lineman like nobody's going to see that coming 
Um, but we, we try to get closer and closer every year. And one thing that does correlate, I think our guys at 24 seven have done a good job of figuring out some of the things that help us, some analytics that help us and being able to throw a shot put and discus and those, you know, those numbers, those really help, uh, good high school wrestlers. Those usually turn out. So we try to look at some of those markers in addition to just the football tape and camp performance. Yeah. And Iowa state's got an example, even right now, Josh Kniffle, their right guard is, was not recruited out of high school because he played through an ACL tear, went to uh, junior college at Iowa Western, spent just one year there before having a ton of Power 5 offers, and he started the first 26 games of his career at Iowa State. Iowa State thinks he could be an NFL draft pick next year, and it's just it's tough, but uh, that's just another kid from small-town Iowa, had a knee injury, and then became a, a good player at JUCO. But moving on to the defensive side and, and the last three players in Iowa State's current 2020 class, it's, it's good this class is small right now. I think it, this was the perfect time to talk to you because it's not too big where we're talking about too many guys, but it's small enough where I can get your thoughts on these Midwest guys. Um, Craig McDonald, another Minnesota guy, like I said, they've got three kids from Minnesota right now, which has been a, a really big influx for them. And Craig McDonald's a safety for them, six foot two, one ninety. He's got really good size. It seems like uh, that's a bigger safety, but a, a guy that can come down and hit. I think. And um, the thing there, and it's not always just about offer list, but you're looking at programs that have that have done well in the Midwest. Wisconsin, Iowa, Purdue, Minnesota all wanted him, and uh, that was, I think, a, one of their one of their bigger wins to date in terms of just beating schools that that legitimately wanted this kid. Yeah, I think when you look at this class, first of all, you, you, it's a mix of what I think makes this staff good on the recruiting trail. It's a it's a mixture of let's get in early on a guy like Aiden Bowman that we really like. Let's trust our own evaluations um, on on a kid like Tyler Miller and be be early on a guy like him as well. And then being able to win some recruiting battles against some big boys like Aiden Pauls and Craig McDonald to go up to Minneapolis and uh, go into Minnesota's backyard and, and take a kid like that. And then also he, you know, he had, you mentioned some of those other schools he had, he liked those schools. He had been out and visited a lot of those schools. So uh, that's a really good recruiting win. And then on the field itself, you know, Craig had to, I think, fight for this kind of recruiting attention a little bit because he's at a school that had three or four other top recruits and he wasn't immediately the first guy you thought of I mean, he's got a five-star basketball commit and a, this kind of hot shot quarterback at his school and Jalen Suggs so it took Craig some time to maybe make a name for himself but he certainly did it. it was a kid who made a lot of plays for his team in a lot of different phases of the game he's played wide receiver uh, made a number of big plays as a receiver got his hands on a lot of footballs as a defensive back um, that's what I like about him first I think is his ball skills if, if it's in his vicinity he's going to come down with the interception return some kicks for them this is a really good athlete and then having a chance to see him in person several times he was at a showcase up there in, in Minneapolis that I was at he came and did Michigan State's camp saw him there verified his size looks the part of a high level division one defensive back so I'm thinking free safety there and uh, a guy who you're going to be able to move around can play in the deep part of the secondary but capable of coming down and playing some man-to-man on a slot or a tight end if you need him to as well. Yeah, what you said there kind of fits into this because their third and, and final as of now uh, Minnesota commit is linebacker Hunter Zenzen. And like you said, with Craig McDonald, they went up there and they beat some different Big Ten schools. With Zenzen, it was trusting their evaluation. This is a kid that has only FCS offers right now. Um, Iowa State offered him after they saw him. And, you know, this is a kid that's six foot three, 215 pounds, they think could play any of their three linebacker positions at, at 
it hasn't sounded in talking to him like they've decided which one. But, you know, he's a linebacker, but he's a kid that Minnesota was telling him, hey, we're going to come see you in May. We, we're trying to figure out if you're a linebacker or a defensive end, but we have interest. Maybe they wanted to wait and get him to camp. It sounded like some other schools wanted to get him to camp. And Iowa State just trusted what they've seen so far and had already offered and now has him committed. And like you said, it's been a mix of trying to beat schools, but also sometimes you're in early enough and you just got to trust them, trust that evaluation and not worry if other schools have offered yet. Yeah, and I think there's been a number of guys like that that have worked out for them. Um, David Montgomery, great example right there. Michael Rose, an, another great example. There's a few of those guys that they've, they've hit on to where, like, let's, let's Let's not necessarily, I, mean, I don't even want to say roll the dice because that sounds like it's a real gamble, but it's like, let's, we like this guy. Let's just offer him. Who cares who else has offered him? And that's under Zenzen. And uh, I think also, you know, when, when they, the point at which they got him on campus and got him to commit, I, I assume some of that was by design. Uh, let's get this guy committed before spring evaluation really gets going. And the schools like Minnesota, and there were several other power five schools that wanted to come in and evaluate this kid because he is a really good athlete. He is versatile, does a lot of things on his film. I think schools were sort of stuck in what you were saying, trying to figure out where he best fits in. And then also I think verifying exactly how big he was, was a big part of trying to figure out where he fit in. But, um, you know, a, a true six, two and some change, about 215 pounds, got a big wingspan also. Um, so he brings that versatility. You mentioned him playing any of the three linebacker spots. I also think he's shown some ability to come down and rush the passer. So you're going to be able to blitz him, going to be able to drop him into coverage. In terms of his versatility in high school and what his high school asked him to do, the tape isn't really that dissimilar to what they were asking Michael Rose to do in, in, in at the same stage. So um, and, and we know what kind of a player he's become early in his career. So I think Hunter may be a similar kind of diamond in the rough that Iowa State has uncovered. It's interesting you said that because when he committed, that was my first thing I said is, hey, this guy, you know, Mike Rose out, coming out of high school was 6'2", 6'3", around there, and 215 pounds. Rose is now 240 pounds after one year on campus. So they've transformed his body. But when you look at prototype, Zen Zen fits that. I mean, he's almost the exact same, and I've compared him to him to Rose and I've tried to tell people hey I'm not saying he's gonna be Mike Rose and come in and be a freshman All-American but just when you look at the prototype he fits the same body as what they've what they've looked for and uh, it's going to be interesting to see his development and that goes back to the thing of you know it's you mentioned it, it's hard to even get up to Buffalo Minnesota but you know this kid Zenzen's from Barnesville Minnesota which is over close near Fargo North Dakota you know it's you're not getting a lot of probably coaches or evaluators up there. And so it's hard to see, but, you know, at least you've seen his film and I think you've verified some different measurables with him. Yeah. And we've been able to, you know, he's been to some places too, where we've been able to, to see where he's, what he's measured at. So hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, you'll have a chance to see him in summer camp or maybe he'll pop up at some, another uh, event where we're able to see him. So, uh, but prior to any of that, you know, I think we really like, what the kid has put down on film and some of the versatility that he's shown. And then the last commit uh, of the six that we're going to talk about now uh, of the six commits Iowa State has right now is another Iowan. It's Cole Peterson out of Central Decatur, Southern Iowa. This is a kid that I think he's the only one we don't have rated yet. And that's because I think we wanted to see, um, I guess you and our evaluators wanted to see a little bit more film because, you know, this is another kid from a small town in Iowa where, um, he, he's playing a ton of positions. You look at his numbers last year, and I, I would do commit roundups, and there would be weeks where he would uh, have throws at quarterback, he would have 
carries. He would have receptions at receiver. Uh, he would be their punter, and then he's their safety. And so he's playing all over the field, and so you can get different things out of that, but you're still trying to see more of them. He didn't play a lot of safety as a sophomore. Last year he had 54 tackles as a true full-time safety. Iowa State thinks he'll transition to linebacker, another kid that's six foot three, but uh, I think he posted a highlight where he's dunking the ball in basketball. I mean, I think it's the, it's the type of player from a small-town Iowa that could develop but there's a lot of unknowns, and I think you know now there's a little bit more film. But you know, what do you see in him? Because it is harder to evaluate until a kid like this develops, and now going into a senior year. Yeah, I think we were a little bit unsure because of some of the things that you mentioned of exactly where to put him. So we were hoping we were like, let's go through this spring camp season. Maybe he'll show up at you know an opening regional in St. Louis or something like that. We'll be able to see him. Now that those have passed and he hasn't. We'll be able to stand on the film and, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the clips in other sports and some of the other analytics that we're able to go through and give him an initial rating until we're able to see him somewhere or more film comes out this season. But in terms of what we have to work with and you want to talk about analytics, which I talked earlier about, you know, discus and shot put for the linemen. Well, we're talking about a kid six foot, 390 pounds here who's put down some pretty impressive track results. Kids that big, that, that do well. And, you know, he runs, he does the hurdles. Um, that's a really tough event to, to excel in. If you're, if you're not a great athlete, I mean, guys who do really well in 110 meter hurdles are usually very, very good. I'm not usually always are very good athletes. So kid that big who can do some of those things, dunk a basketball, play several positions on the football field. Definitely can see why Iowa state would want to take a shot on him. And, and I think that because of that athleticism, I think we're going to be inclined to give him a pretty good initial rating likely as an athlete maybe as an outside linebacker it's just harder to, for us to project what he's like as an outside linebacker right now because there isn't as much film doing that but as an athlete I think there's no question he's got a lot to work with there yeah while you were talking there I quickly pulled up the track numbers he's uh in the long jump dr- jump you know 20 29 20 feet 9 inches um like you said 110 hurdles 15.51 it's it's just an interesting interesting thing and I think it goes back to the conversation we had before of Iowa prospects are, are tough in a lot of senses probably to evaluate especially the small town when ones you even look like a kid like that just went in the first round the top 10 this week TJ Hawkinson and I think he was you know a, a decent three-star but this is a kid that did, I don't think he went to many camps and a lot of these kids sometimes don't go to camps um, they play three or four sports and so they're not specializing in football I mean that's going to be the most difficult thing to evaluate. I mean, I, I assume sometimes Iowa can be one of the most difficult states for you for that, for those reasons. It's hard to, it's hard to get over there, but the kids are starting to get out and do more. And there's more, you know, like there's, there's some training organizations now that are, are getting those kids more ready for this. TJ actually did come to an opening regional in Chicago. So I, I actually had a chance to see TJ in high school, but at the time, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't really done a lot of that stuff, I don't, I don't believe he tested very well at that camp. And when you go back and look at it, um, you know, Iowa state offered him uh, and uh, it took Iowa, I think well into the summer. It looked like he was probably headed to Iowa state, I believe before Iowa got him to their summer camp and offered him. There were a lot of kind of mid major type schools that took a look at TJ. And and at the time, you know, I was in contact with some of them and he wasn't a guy that schools were like, this guy's definitely going to be a high level draft pick kind of kid Iowa um, Iowa developed him and even early in his career he was a guy it took him a little bit to get it all figured out so that kind of thing can happen I don't know that we're ever going to be able to account for that like I don't go back and look at TJ Hawkinson 
and and look at some of the numbers and the analytics and things and go like, well, we should have been able to project them as a as a top eight pick in the NFL draft. Sometimes those kids just develop. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think you're right. Iowa State was in on him really early. And I think the one thing he was waiting on was to see if Iowa offered and I think he went to camp, they offered and it ended pretty quickly in their favor. But um, that was a kid Iowa State got out on early, but I think wanted um, that Iowa offer. That rounds out the the current commits. I guess a, a couple of things here to end, though. One of them is, and you're covering so many different schools and so many different prospects, but Matt Campbell now going into his fifth recruiting class here in 2020. And it seems like there's kind of a prototype now where we've talked about a couple uh, defenders here with Hunter Zenzen and Cole Peterson. They're both 6'2", 6'3", linebackers. That's what Mike Rose was. You look at the defensive ends, and there's none in this class yet. But last class, you know, they got Corey Suttle, who has a similar build to the previous class, and Will McDonald. Um, It just seems like they're starting to be a prototype for some of these guys. Do you start to see that? And and does this prototype that Matt Campbell's going after – more resembles schools that you've covered in the past, like a Michigan State or, you know, those schools, more so than maybe what what we saw in their recruiting efforts before? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody now is looking for length and and you want uh, big guys who can who can bend and move more so than just the biggest, strongest guy out there. You want some guys that have some tools to develop. But I think they they've this staff has always kind of valued those body types and those athletic profiles. You, you even look at going back to what they did at Toledo um, and they, and they liked guys who played multiple sports back then too. You And they liked uh, offensive linemen with the kind of frames that they could develop. And then I think you really see that when you talk about them kind of having a type, you look ahead into what they're offering in the next class. There's a lot of the, a lot of similar guys. Um, I think they even have one committed, right? The Zach tweet is a tweet. Yep. Uh, I have a tweet to- from story city. And yeah, he's a, a multi-sport athlete too. Yeah, multi-sport athlete. They're probably going to project outside linebackers. A lot pretty similar to the guys that we just talked about. You look at the Prochaska kid, six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pounds from Omaha that they just offered. That's a very Tyler Miller kind of kid. Uh, you look at the Jeff Bowie kid from uh, in state. So he's a very similar defensive end body type to what they've recruited. So certainly they found some things that work for them. Some some things that they some qualities that they like, and uh, they're continuing to hit on those. And and I think again getting out ahead on, on several of those guys that I just mentioned being the first in on those guys that's going to help in their recruitment as well. That's a good way to end is, is this, and because you just alluded to it and you kind of sprung us forward a little bit. We just spent, you know, the last half hour talking about 2020 and Iowa State's six commits uh, from the Midwest. The 2021 class is already really fast ahead. I mean, Iowa State has already offered nine kids in the state of Iowa. I think there's 11 kids, 10 or 11 kids in the state of Iowa with power five offers already that's more than the 2020 class has even as we go into the spring evaluation period what are you hearing about the 2021 class because what i've heard so far is that this could be a really loaded class and if you compare it to anything it it might be the best since or it might even end up topping the 2017 class which felt like the deepest in quite a while 2021 is shaping up i i think it will probably end up being one of the best if not the best recent classes in the state and uh, you got some guys who are off to a good, great start in that. Some guys that are leading the way. Uh, you got a couple of guys who are pretty highly recruited, TJ Bowlers and Connor Colby. And it's getting that way for guys like Jaden Harrell and uh, Jeffrey Bowie 
And, and you always find guys in the state of Iowa late, too. There's always guys who pop up. So when you look at what, what we already know in 21 and then you think about what we usually are able to find as time rolls on, I do think that uh, in terms of depth and even at being top-heavy, 2021 is going to be really, really strong. And uh, we mentioned some of the guys that Iowa State was able to get in early on. Another kid like uh, a Brody Brecht that they were uh, very early in on. I, I think that uh, they, they're doing a really good job of identifying that talent. Luke Pinnock as well. I think he's had an Iowa State offer for it seems like two or three years now. Yeah, for quite a while. And that's been the thing. It's They're offering these kids early, and now we'll see where that goes because recruiting's heating, heating up faster and faster. I mean, that many offers out in 2021 seems crazy, but I think they're just getting on the kids they like now. So I'm sure we'll talk to you about those kids here down the road. There'll be other Midwest kids for sure. Iowa State has six commits right now. Uh, could probably end up around 20, so they're probably about 25% of the way done, but they're all, they're still in on a lot of Midwest kids. So thanks for joining me, Alan. I'm sure I'll have you back on, but uh, I'll let you get back to it and uh, safe travels as you head out around uh, for probably spring evaluation camps, but also uh, summer camps will be right around the corner as well. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. So that was 24-7 Sports Midwest recruiting analyst Alan True. Thanks again to him for taking so much time. I think we ran 30 minutes there in our discussion, but uh, I thought a lot of insightful stuff and uh, good for me to even catch up on some of those commits. Um, but also hopefully for you, got something out of that in terms of maybe learning a little bit about what Iowa State is getting in its six commits so far. So this is Matt Campbell's fifth recruiting class in 2020. Uh, we just talked extensively about the first six commits. That's probably about 25% of the way done. I think this recruiting class is probably going to end up around 20. So Iowa State's a good portion of the way into this recruiting class. And we just talked a lot about, a, about a lot of Midwest guys, and there's still Midwest guys out there. Defensive end Blaze Gunnerson is probably the big target of those guys. Uh, the, the last guy in the state of Iowa who has already been offered by Iowa State that they're really pushing for a top priority. Uh, he's a defensive end from Carroll, Iowa. Missed his junior season with a torn labrum, but it hasn't stopped him from getting offers from Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, um, Kansas State. Uh, there's some feel that it could be Iowa State and Nebraska, really the two schools fighting it out for him. But Blaze still has a little bit of ways to go in his recruitment, still trying to figure things out in terms of visits and that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, Iowa State did have defensive line coach Eli Rashid in at Carroll Kemper uh, to see him just recently. So Iowa State continues that push. That could be another Midwest prospect that I'll have to uh, ring up uh, Allen and, and talk to him about down the road. Um, there's some other guys as well. So this is going to be a, a, an interesting month of, I think really May and June and July are going to be the three interesting months ahead. How many commitments does Iowa State add in those months? Because they're in some, some decent spots with some different guys. They're going to get out and, and offer more kids. And uh, there's going to be official visits that happen here coming up in June. So it's going to be a busy couple months ahead. Make sure to lock in at 247sports.com. You can get the Iowa State coverage directly at cyclonealert.com. Again, thanks to Alan True. That will do it for this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. I'll talk to you next time. We'll have plenty of recruiting, basketball recruiting still ongoing. So we'll have a lot more for you uh, next time here on the Cyclone Scoop.